Hello and welcome to this week's episode of What Happened for the week of October 28th, 2018. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and this week we have stories in tech and movies. First up is tech with Alphabet Executive Leaves following New York Times story. After last week's New York Times story going into the sexual harassment going on at Google, most of the story was focused on Andy Rubin. However, he was not the only one. Alphabet executive Rich Duvall has resigned with no payout following the story. If you do not know, Alphabet is Google's parent company and Duvall was a director of X, a division for Alphabet's crazier projects such as self-driving cars. The New York Times story alleges that Duvall was in the process of interviewing Star Simpson, who was an engineer looking to get a job at Google. After the interview, Duvall asked her to come to the festival Burning Man. She did so thinking it was to talk about working at Google, and therefore brought business clothes and her mother. However, once she arrived to Duvall's camp, he asked Simpson to take off her clothes and give a back rub. She said no, and after some back and forth, she eventually gave a neck rub. After what happened at Burning Man, she was told she would not be getting the job. The New York Times also mentioned that Duvall knew Simpson would not be getting the job before going to Burning Man. In response to this, Duvall, besides resigning, told the New York Times that he thought she knew she wasn't getting the job and apologizes for his error in judgment. Now this story, like the Rubin one, is fucked up and is an obvious case of sexual harassment, but there are a few questions I do have about Simpson. Did she not know Burning Man was a festival, and if she did, why did she think it would be a place where a professional meeting would happen? And also, why bring your mom? Now I'm not saying she should be the one to blame here, she shouldn't be. But I am curious, what was her thought process about the entire situation? I guess it could be just as simple as she only thought about getting a job at Google, and then I actually think about the situation in front of her. Because if I was told I was going to Burning Man, I'd expect a lot of drugs and sex. In the desert. Not an employment discussion. In another update to Google's sexual harassment case, Google employees around the world participated in the walkout due to sexual harassment and have some demands. This includes an end to forced arboration in cases of harassment and discrimination, a commitment to end pay and opportunity inequality, and elevate the chief diversity officer to directly answer to the CEO and make recommendations directly to the board of directors. In addition, appoint an employee representative to the board. I say good job to the employees at Google for standing up for what they believe in. With a massive walkout like this across the different offices around the world, it made it difficult for Google executives to do anything, and even if they tried to, that would have been a terrible move. It's obvious from the report that Google needs to have some changes in regards to sexual harassment at the company, and I hope these walkouts and demands help push Google to do so. This week, there was also an Apple event in Brooklyn, where Apple showed off the iPad Pros, MacBook Air, and Mac Mini. For the iPads, these new iPads get a redesign that are like the iPhone X. They take away the home button and shrink the bezels. However, unlike the iPhone iPhone X, there is no notch. These changes allow the iPads to be more compact, yet they still come in two sizes, 12.9 inches and now 11 inches, which is up from 10.5 of the last year's model. The screen is still an LCD, not OLED, with the same liquid retina display that's in the iPhone XR, but also ProMotion built in for the 120Hz the previous iPad Pros had. Basically what that means is when you move around the screen, the animations are faster, so it looks like, you know, runs faster. With the home button gone, so is Touch ID, and to replace it, Apple has put in Face ID, and it can be unlocked both vertically or horizontally unlike iPhone X. Performance-wise, the iPad Pros are running on an A12X Bionic chip with an 8-core CPU and a 7-core GPU. Storage is also getting a big upgrade because while the base model starts at 64 gigabytes, you can configure these to go up to one terabyte. While everything so far is great, if you are a fan of the headphone jack, I have some bad news for you. Apple has removed the headphone jack from the iPad Pros. And no, they have not even kept the lightning port either. That's right, this is the first iOS device with USB-C. By switching to USB-C, you can charge your phone from the iPad using a USB-C cable, 
and also export to displays up to 5K in resolution. Also, just like the new iPhones, these will not include an adapter for your headphones, so you'll have to pay an extra $9 for that as well. Moving over to accessories, Apple has updated both their keyboard case and pencil. The smart keyboard folio is easier to use and now has two different angles to rest the iPad. The keyboard will cost $179 for the 11-inch iPad and $199 for the 12.9-inch iPad. The Apple Pencil also got some modest improvements over the first one with it now being magnetic and will attach next to the iPad and can wirelessly charge there. No more plugging in to the uh, charging port. This does come with a price increase, however, coming in at $129 compared to $99 for the first Pencil. So what about the pricing for these new iPads? Well, the 11-inch iPad Pro starts at $799, while the 12.9-inch starts at $999. You're able to pre-order now, and they will be available November 7th. Before I give my opinion, let me go over to MacBook Air. For the last few years, it has gotten minor refreshes at most, but today has gotten the biggest refresh since it first came out over 10 years ago. The body of the laptop is similar to the MacBook and MacBook Pro with thinner bezels and coming in different colors. The display is now a retina display coming in at the usual 13.3 inches and the same butterfly keyboard with two USB-C and two Thunderbolt 3 ports. Also, unlike a lot of Apple devices these days, has a headphone jack. For the internals, the MacBook Air runs on an Intel 8th gen dual core CPU with integrated graphics. The base model starts at 8 gigs of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage, but you can get it configured up to 16 gigabytes of RAM and 1.5 terabytes of storage. If you need more power, you'll also be able to plug in an external graphics enclosure, sold separately of course. The new MacBook Air started at $1,199 and is available today. Now what did I think about it? Well, it's mixed. All three new devices look fantastic. I know I didn't really talk about the Mac Mini, but basically it's an updated Mac Mini. It looks a bit better. It's in space gray. They all look great, especially the iPad Pro. I really want it, even though I don't really have a use for it. But the issue with all of them is pricing. If you've noticed this year, and this event can continue it, all the new devices Apple has shown off more or less has gotten a price increase from the previous one. Not only that, they have been taking stuff out. So for the iPhone, you know, you drop $1,000 on the iPhone, you don't get that $9 headphone jack anymore. You got to pay the $9 for it. They assume you have Bluetooth headphones or preferably you have their AirPods. For the iPads, cool, you just took out the headphone jack and switched it to USB-C. So even your Lightning 2 headphone jack adapter doesn't even work. You need a USB-C to headphone jack adapter and that's not included you need another nine dollars and look the price is cheap nine dollars is nothing especially for buying an ipad but it's just kind of the principle if i'm spending almost a thousand dollars at a brand new ipad you want to hook up your customers right i don't think putting in that adapter is going to kill you you're not giving a free leather case and then the pencil too is like really you gotta increase 30 bucks also for the pencils i uh, i believe it's the first generation pencil will not work with the new ipads so if you do upgrade to the new ipads you need the new pencil for it to work so keep it short before i go on any more of a rant if all these devices were like a hundred dollars or 150 dollars cheaper they would sell like crazy it'd be amazing but right now it's if you got the money get these great devices dual sim for iphones facing issues in the u.s this week apple also released ios 12.1 update on which includes the support for dual sim support for the iphone 10s and 10r the way dual sim works here is that you have a regular sim card and then support for eSIM. the issue here though is that for u.s customers the setup would be that your main carrier would be set up on the eSIM, and if you travel anywhere you can put in a sim card and then that's your second number and carrier supports let's say you're traveling to a different country it would be very useful however the issue here is that the u.s carriers are more or less not ready for eSIM. uh pc mag had an article about where they tested an iphone and with moving verizon to the e sim part what happened was that verizon recognized it being treated as a secondary network and therefore took away the 4g data and uh, they were stuck with 2g mac rumors is reporting that at&t is pushing back their support as well due to customers having an issue with visual voicemails when they use at&t under the eSIM. so right now verizon 
AT&T and T-Mobile have all said they will support for eSIM by the end of the year, but there's no date. While Apple also has not announced that Sprint will be supporting it, The Verge contacted them and Sprint did say they will eventually support eSIM as well. It's a shame because I was looking forward to this as it would be very useful whenever I travel. This is also good for people who don't travel because then you can have a personal and business phone number on one phone, making sure you don't have to carry around two phones all the time would be very useful. Uber introduces their own subscription service. Remember how I mentioned last week that investors like subscription services and that Lyft just rolled one out ahead of their IPO next year? Now Uber has their own subscription service and it is a bit different. It's called RidePass, will cost $14.99 and is in a few cities including Miami, Austin, Orlando, and Denver. It's also available in LA but it will cost you $24.99, not $14.99. The point of the pass is that for a month it will lock in a price for rides you take for Uber Pool and Uber X rides. The lock-in price for the month means you will not be affected by the price changing due to surge pricing or weather for example. As you take rides throughout the month, Uber's app will update you on how much you are saving using it. If you're a driver, you don't have to worry about losing money as you will be paid the regular amount and Uber will pay the difference. Uber expects riders to save about 15% per month using RidePass. I like this plan a bit more than lifts. This plan is more accessible for people because it's low cost and people only have to take rides until it saves them over $15. Then they're saving money from there. For Lyft, there's a limited number of rides per month. I believe it was like 30. They don't roll over, so if you it forces you to use them or you're just losing money. And if they're over $15 a ride, you have to pay the difference. Also, all that together is $300 a month. Now, if we're talking from an IPO perspective, Lyft has an advantage as their service is available across America, while RidePass is only available in these select cities. Now, they could expand it before their IPO. All they said is an IPO in 2019. It could be the end of 2019 when the IPO rolls out, and they'll roll out this, say, first half of 2019. But it'll be interesting to see how these plans play out. In one of the more interesting stories I've talked about on the uh, podcast here is this one. The EU is testing an AI lie detector for the border. The EU is going to conduct trials testing an AI lie detector at borders. The borders that will participate in this are the border points in Greece, Hungary, and Latvia. The system is called iBorder Control, and how it will work is if you want to participate, you'll have to fill out an application and upload documents such as your passport. Then when you actually get to the checkpoint, the AI machine will ask you questions such as what is in your suitcase, and if you open it, will it show you're telling the truth? While people are answering these questions, they will be facing a webcam where the AI will analyze to see if you are telling the truth. If the machine be- believes you are telling the truth, you will get a QR code that will allow you to pass the border. However, because this is still in testing, iBorder Control cannot actually send anyone away. They can't deny anyone. If it determines you are lying, then you are taken to a human border agent and you give additional information such as fingerprints and facial scanning. Right now, based on previous tests, the success rate is about 76% and the team hopes that with these new tests, they can reach that 85 percent success. Like a lot of new technology used by governments, this looks really cool and like something straight out of the movies. For me, I'd love it if this replaced like TSA agents at airports in America because like everyone knows, the TSA sucks. However, it also brings up my main concern, which is the amount of information they will gather with this and if it's safe. We've seen a lot of the top tech companies struggle with data security. Can I trust the government with it? I don't know. Switching over to movies, Winter Soldier and Falcon are getting a limited run TV show. While this isn't directly movie related, it is a part of Disney's streaming service which is looking to be huge. According to Variety, Disney is developing a show for their streaming service that will start a Winter Soldier and Falcon and this is not some kind of knockoff. Variety is also saying that the stars Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan will reprise their roles. Just like a lot of streaming shows, it's not a long season with a reported 6-8 to eight episodes, which will make sense because these actors will not be super cheap. This follows in the footsteps of other Marvel shows Disney is developing, which includes a show about Loki with Tom Hiddleston and one about Scarlet Witch with Elizabeth Olsen. 
Disney is being really smart right now with their streaming service by using the assets they have to produce content like this. Because when they first announced the service, it just seemed like it'd be a place to watch Disney content already made. But now, you have these shows, plus a Star Wars one that's already in development. I think that they're doing a really smart move by developing their own content with this. With the assets they have. Also, I think I like the idea of a buddy cop style show would work well with the Winter Soldier and Falcon, and you got hints of that in the Civil War movie. For the overall streaming service, as long as the pricing is good, this will be a massive hit. Netflix switching gears with some movies getting select theater releases before streaming. Netflix has decided to switch up its strategy for releasing certain movies. Usually Netflix just releases a movie onto their service, and if they are one of the rare ones that it thinks will get nominated for awards, will also get a limited release in theaters at the same time to qualify. Well, Hollywood is not really like that. And we did see them retaliate this year with Netflix movies not being qualified for the Cannes Festival in France, which resulted in Netflix leaving the festival completely. While Netflix has now decided to change its tactics and follow what the movie industry wants by having a limited release in theaters before it goes to Netflix. For this, the three movies that will be a part of it, it will be Bird Box, Roma, and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. For these movies, the releases are really limited, with the longest being for Roma, which gets three weeks in select theaters in New York, Los Angeles, and Mexico. I don't have a solid opinion on either side of this. Obviously, I see Hollywood's side where movies should be in theaters first for it to count. Otherwise, why not just release it on TV? Then you have the issue of, well, do TV movies like the ones you see on Lifetime count for Oscars? I don't think they do, and the people in Hollywood is trying to figure this out. Now, for Netflix, of course, they would just love to release on their service and be done with it. However, they know for now this is the best play. For one, if their movies win some Oscars, it's a great way to promote the movies on Netflix. Also, it allows them to get more top-tier directors and actors. They would not want to work on a possible Oscar-contending movie if it does not qualify just because it is a Netflix movie. For the current landscape, Netflix moves is the right one that works out for everyone. And that is it for this week's episode of What Happened. I hope you found something pretty interesting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at TylerCallahan95. I have articles up on www.tylercallahan.com. And that is about it. I will see you next week, and thank you for listening.